Episode number two, Shaking the Family Tree. I have my mother, Angela Jesse, here. You wasn't always from Metcalf County. You grew up in Chicago until you was like four or five, right? Four. No, I was in fourth grade. Fourth grade, so how old were you? Uh, that would probably be about 10, maybe. 10? Yeah. So did you like Chicago? Well, at the time, that was all I knew. So um, when my family moved to Edmonton, Kentucky from Chicago, um, it was a big culture shock. So yes, I liked it then, but I've been back once since and I wouldn't want to raise a family there. What was the transition like? Did you? It was horrible. So what was uh, moving to a new school? How did that change? It was, it was really hard. Um, I came into a Southern school with a very strong Northern accent. Um, so I got uh, a lot of uh, kidding, I guess, uh, about that. Um, the, the studying that we did there was a little bit different. So I wasn't quite at the same spot that the other kids in fourth grade were. And plus I came in at the end of the year. so. Um, by the time you get to the fourth grade, you've kind of got your friends set and that sort of thing. So it, it was hard transitioning into that. So when you was going to high school, you're a nurse practitioner now. Did you always know that you was going to be a nurse practitioner? I always knew I was going to be a nurse. Was I didn't it? know if... I, I never really had that end goal of being a nurse practitioner. What's the difference between a nurse and a nurse practitioner? A nurse has either, um, you can go to be a licensed practical nurse, um, or you can get an associate degree and become an RN or become, or get the bachelor's degree and, uh, as, as an RN. Um, those nurses work at the bedside um, or in doctor's offices, nursing homes, that sort of thing. Um, you extend the education to get at least a master's level and then have to sit for a national certification exam to become a nurse practitioner. Um, and then at that time, you're able to prescribe, um, diagnose, do um, a lot of advanced things that as an RN, you're not allowed to do. So when you got to high school, did your friend group, was there a friend group you was in at that point? You know, you started in fourth grade. Was there a friend group you was in when you got to high school? Or was you just riding solo the whole time? I mean, I had one or two friends, but I wasn't the socialite that my children are. Mm. Um, I was more into um, studying and, and keeping my nose in a book. Um, plus, my parents were a little more tight-brained than I am on my children. Um, so we didn't have the opportunity to do a lot of socializing. So it was basically go to school and come home and study. So you had three brothers? Yes. Yeah, you have Brian, Derek, and David. Yes. So what's it like being the only girl? I learned to be tough at an <laughs> early age. Um, but then, too, you know, sometimes being the only girl can have its advantages because, you know, when my dad was living, he really didn't let them pick on me that much when he was around. But that changed when he wasn't around. They picked on me a lot, so... Yeah. I want to talk about your ACT score. You're a very, <laughs> very smart woman now. And there was a comment made when you made this certain ACT score. You can say what you made or not. 
but there's a comment made that a teacher said. I'll let you tell a story from here. Well, it's kind of low that you're bringing that up. Okay. <laughs> um, I had very good grades in school. Um, but when I took the ACT, I don't know if it was just that it was a standardized test or what it was, but I made low enough. Um, I'll, ju I'll just tell you. Oh, well, whatever. Um, I made an 11 the first time I took it. And I was told um, there was no way I would ever graduate from house or from college. So I applied to college, got into Western, but they did not let me into the nursing program uh, the first time I applied. They made me do um, on my prereqs, which I did. I took a full load the first two semesters and was on the president's list both semesters. So then they let me in the nursing school and um, I went back to get my bachelor's degree. I actually took the ACT twice. Second time I improved to a 13. So anyway, um, so then I went on to get my bachelor's degree because at that time I was starting to, to say that I, I may want to pursue a master's and become a nurse practitioner. And I was in a statistics class and um, the professor said, Let's just face it, you'd have to be pretty stupid to make below an 18 on your ACT. And there I sat, an associate degree already established. I was practicing as a nurse. Um, I was a mother of two at the time. So um, being a nurse, you, you learn to be a little bold. So I politely raised my hand and said, sir, I, 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 um, I disagree with that statement. And of course he wanted me to elaborate. So I said in front of the entire class what I made on my ACT and continued to tell him that I made the associate or the um, president's list my first two semesters in college and graduated as a cum laude, um, which is a GPA of greater than 3.4. So therefore his statistic did not hold true in every case. Hmm. He didn't discuss it any further with me and we carried on with the class. I think that's crazy that some people are good at taking tests and some people are bad at taking tests. I think that even the person that makes the lowest grade on a test can still be the smartest person in the room. I'd agree with that. Because people take tests way different. The way I take tests is I get done very quickly because I know if I know the question or not. So I go through it pretty quickly because you either know the question or you don't know the question. So right. now, Well, let's just get back to that. When you got through with college, you went to work at TJ Sampson, right? Or was you already working there? You worked there at some point. Well, I got out of college the first time with an associate degree, a degree in nursing, and I went to, to work at TJ Sampson and worked there um, for about a year and a half and then um, worked some at Greenview Hospital in Bowling Green. Um, and then... Um, moved to Westlake Hospital, I think it was, in Columbia. And that's where I worked for the most, of, I was there for about five years. And that's, I was working as a nurse when I got my bachelor's and my master's degree. So I was, it was a nursing shortage at that time. So I would work every weekend and go to school during the week. So that's how I got through school. What would you say your, your welcome into nursing was? You know, sometimes in sports or other jobs, there's moments where you're like, 
if this happens, that's when you know you're a real nurse. Or if this happens, that no, that's when you know you're real, whatever. What moment was it for you when you knew that you was there and you've seen it all at this point? I have been a nurse for 30 years and there's still times that there's things that surprise me. So um, that, there's still a lot that I don't know. Medicine is an ever-changing world. So um, nurses who tell me that they've seen it all, done it all, never make a mistake, make me nervous. So every student that I've ever had, I've always made them understand that it's okay to say, I don't know. And it, when you get to the point, you know, everything you need to quit because you're going to hurt somebody. Mm -hmm. Let me rephrase the question again. What is the first memory you have that was like, was there, or was there ever a moment where you was like, you don't know if you can do this or not? Or was there ever a moment where you thought that this wasn't for you? Um, I would, I mean, the very first time you're, you're with a patient and they pass away, that was hard. Um, but I would say probably the one time in the whole, the whole 30 years that I actually thought I'm done um, was, I think I'd been a nurse for about five years. And there was a situation that um, I was taking care of a, of a child at eight month old. And um, he, he, me and the doctor had a disagreement. Of course, at that time I was working as a staff nurse um, and that child ended up dying in my arms. And that was the time that I thought I'm done. Um, so it took a lot of soul searching and, and looking at things and deciding, well, you know, this is always what I've wanted to do. So I carried on and got over it, learned from it, and here I am. You own your own practice now, FHNL Family Practice. How long was you a nurse before you started FHNL? Um, well, I was a nurse, a staff nurse, I think, for eight or nine years before I became a practitioner. Became a practitioner in 1999. Um, and um, opened FHNL Family Practice June the 1st of 2015. So I had worked for other people yeah. as a nurse practitioner up until that point. So what drove you to open up your own practice? Did you always want to know or own your own business? Was that always the goal? Well, it wasn't necessarily a goal. It was a thought, um, a hope, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, I've got a little bit of a strong personality and I like things done the right way, which is my way, of course. Um, so that that's kind of, you know, why I, I wanted to, to do it on my own, so. So at what point was you, like you want to open up your own practice? Was there, was there a point really? Or was there like the right time? Or at what moment was you like, you know what? I'm just gonna open up my own practice and not work for anybody else now. Well, it kind of just fell in my lap. Um, I had left a, a, a practice and um, was kind of in another position that I really wasn't happy with. It was just kind of a, I had settled for it and um, got a call 
that the um, that wanted to know if I wanted to to rent the building that I initially opened up in. In front of Five Star. In front of Five yeah. Star. Yes. And then I went and looked at it, um, went to talk to the people at Edmonton State Bank, thinking, you know, this is probably not going to fall, you know, this is not going to happen. But, you know, the Lord just had it in his in His plan, and they called me, and I was in an AAU tournament, I think, in Nashville, mm-hmm. and said, we've approved the loan, and I was like, you did what? <laughs> so, um and it, it went from there. So um, then the Board of Education building became empty. And um, Chris Huffman called and wanted to know if we would be interested in that building. And once again, it all just kind of fell in line. So, mm-hmm. you know, I think it was more the Lord's plan than mine. So I've doubted it numerous times since then, but it it's held strong. So... So we talked about your professional career. Now I want to get back to the family part since it's, it's shaking the family tree. You have four children. You nice. adopted two. Yes. So six. Yes. The fir- the original four is Tyler, Logan, Keaton, and me. Yes. Was that always the plan to have four? No. Did you want a girl? I wanted a girl. Well, when I had Tyler... Uh-huh who is now 29, my oldest one. He screamed for the first six weeks of his life. And I swore I'd never have another child. So then he got older and things were better. So I had Logan. And I I just knew Logan was a girl. But he wasn't. So um, the the last two... um, biological children it did matter to me whether it was a girl or not i think i'm a better boy mama than i am a girl mama so when me and keaton came along you wasn't hoping it was a girl no so when tyler and logan were born to me it's crazy i think it's crazy to me because at that point you have two and then you have three i think i slithered in I think no, that, you didn't. I, think, I don't think. I think at some point, there's a moment where you're like, I don't want any more. Or, I, well, I there was know. after you were born. There was a moment I didn't want any more, and that's when I had a tubal. Yeah. So you take the steps necessary to prevent that from happening. So mm-hmm. when I had all I wanted, I had a tubal. So, you adopted Zach and Zoe. Mm-hmm. There's six now, so mm-hmm. a little under. Or no. Around six years ago. I adopted them in 2016. Yeah, so you got them when they was five weeks old. Yes. When that opportunity came up, how did that decision get made that they was coming here? I know they was in a bad situation, but you've had four. At that point, I was, what, 12, 13 at that point? You hadn't raised a kid. Mm Mm-hmm. You hadn't raised that young of a child in probably 10, 11 years at that point. Mm-hmm. So how hard was it to make that decision? I mean, it was it was a big decision. Um, I mean, I had a 24-hour notice. I was going to get a set of premature twins that were not exactly healthy at the time. 
And um, I didn't have a bottle. I didn't have a diaper. I didn't have a sleeper. I didn't have anything. So it was kind of like a midnight run to Walmart and got as much as I could. And um, when we checked out, the lady said, are you expecting a grandchild? <laughs> I was like, no, I'm not. So, but anyway, they, they came home and it was, had to get up every three hours and wake them up because they were so small. Um, but it, it was a big adjustment. So, four children, well, four that you gave birth to, mm-hmm. two that you adopted that are still young. Have you ever thought about doing anything differently with them? Or is it always the same? Because times change. Well, now, yeah. you know, you're, they was raised kind of in the COVID period of mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. Would you ever consider raising them differently? Did you, have you ever thought about that kind of stuff? What do you mean because we them was, your four children that you gave birth to mm-hmm. were raised just 10 years before, 10, 12 years before. I was born in 2004, they were 2016, so 12 years later. Mm-hmm. Times change. Mm hmm. With all the, you know, iPads and the social media stuff going around, did you ever consider raising them differently? I mean, I try to instill the same values in them that I instill in you all. Hmm. Um, I don't have the same energy with them that I had with you all because I'm a little bit older. But um, I have a lot of help. I mean, you older kids help out a lot with them. Um, But we have challenges, you know, social media and all that kind of stuff. Um, YouTube that you really have to watch to make sure they're not exposed to things that you all um, it was a little bit easier to shield you all from a lot of that was that ever a concern for you that you know as I said it's 12 years after times change you're a little older now you know now I'm not trying to say you're old but at Mm -hmm. your age they're taking care of grandchildren but you're taking care of, like, actual in-law, your children. Mm-hmm. Was that ever in your thoughts that, you know, you're a little older and you might not have the same energy levels? Um, I really did. I mean, I thought about that I was going to be older, but the options for them were I was going to have to take them or they were going to have to go to foster care. I wasn't going to allow that to happen. So... Um, once again, you know, I just think it's in the Lord's plan. You have to follow it. So, um, I, I think that, you know, as I get older, I see that the challenges are there, but again, I have four young men that I've done a good job raising that have turned out to be great young men that help me with them as well. So, you know, am I a little older? Yes. Um, am I a little more short-tempered? Yes. Um, but I still feel like that the situation turned out like it was supposed to. Um, you mentioned something about them going into foster care. You work in uh, juvenile detention centers. How did that get brought up that you was wanted, Did you want to work there? Did that just kind of fall in? It was the right time, money, whatever? I was working in an urgent clinic in Bowling Green. Um, That was in 2011. 
and got a phone call, or actually my boss got a phone call, um, Warren Juvenile Detention was needing somebody to come there to do their medical care. Um, and they needed, they were wanting somebody to come in the facility because at that time they didn't have anybody and they were having to take all the kids out to public places to get their physicals that are required and medical stuff. And when they have to take those um, kids out, they have to be in shackles and chains. Um, so whenever they walk into a doctor's office with them, obviously, you know, they're teenagers in shackles and chains and it was just a bad situation for the kid. It was a bad situation for the business owners. So um, they couldn't find anybody that really wanted to go in because it's a detention center. I mean, it's a lot of those kids are there for doing some, some really bad things. But I agreed to go in um, and started doing it then, and I've done it ever since. I mean, I, I actually like interacting with those kids. Um, you have to know your boundaries. Uh, but... You know, I, I don't mind interacting with them. I just, I just keep in mind that, that I do have to keep those, those boundaries. Um, so Keaton had some complications when he was born. Logan had the cancer situation. You know, I've been in the hospital a couple of times. Is it hard for you to go in and have to, you know, usually I've noticed when one of us is in the hospital, you kind of, you don't really tell them what your profession is. Right. Why don't you tell them what your profession is when you go in there? Or, <clears throat> like, does it seem to you like if you say what your profession is that they would be looking over the shoulder for your approval? Or what? what? No, it's, it's very different um, when it's your child. Yeah. Um, your, your mind gets clouded because you're no longer the health care provider. You're the mom. And, you know... I get as scared when my kid is there as any other mother, plus I know all the what-ifs and what they're not telling me kind of things. So, actually, Logan, when he was born, he got very sick um, as an infant and had to be in the hospital till he was about a week old before I ever got to bring him home. But I worked at TJ, at you know, at the time, so... The doctors knew me. The nurses knew me. They didn't shield me from anything. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's kind of like you get you, you get hit in, in the face with a lot of things that other mothers probably would have been shielded with. Um, when Keaton was sick, um, when we went to the ICU, I didn't I didn't tell him. I mean, because I I wanted them to explain things to me just as they would any other mother because I didn't trust myself at the time to be able to process medically what I needed to to make the decisions I needed to make because that was my child. Mm -hmm. So, but then they eventually find it out and then once again, you know, instead of them trying to sugarcoat things and tell you just what you need to know, Mm They're handing you the reports, and they're, you know, letting you kind of figure it out. Um, so it, it, it just, I don't do it to intimidate, mm-hmm. you know. I just I just prefer to do it that way. So I get the same opportunity as any other mother to be able to be treated like a mother 
not like a healthcare provider who is taking care of a child. Because, I mean, that's that's my kid. Mm. So it's a lot different. With your education and your experience, a lot of your family members come to you mm-hmm. when they have problems. Does that give you a certain amount of, um, you know, feeling special? In the no. Family? Like you're the... <laughs> You're the point, or how does that how does that make you feel that you're kind of the center point of everybody's you know when somebody's sick they call you in the family. Well, I mean it it's very risky, but most of the time when people in the family call me and they're like you know this this and this and then I say well this is what I think and they say well that's not right <laughs> I don't that's that's not what we should do well then why'd you ask me so. Um, I typically, unless it's just something simple um, and straightforward, like one of my brothers slicing his leg open yesterday, we just stitch it up and there's really not a question as what needs to be done. Otherwise, I I send them on to somebody else because they're going to question everything I do. Um, And if it's anything real complicated, you know, if I miss something, you know, it's just, it's a bad situation. So... Unless it's just real simple and straightforward, I, I send them to somebody else. I usually save the hot questions for my main episode on Fridays. But I have a question for you. Okay. That, you know, at the end of my podcast on Fridays, I usually ask them a hot question to kind of get them thinking a little bit. So in your whole life, if you could go back to any moment and change what you've done, what would you change and what was the situation or is is there really anything that you would change i would you know i i listened to the podcast you did with um heidi coleman and i agree that you know everything you do has to be done that way in order for you to be where you are Mm. um but if i had to choose a point it would have been that i would have lived on my own out of high school like I would have either out of high school or right out of college mm-hmm. um, and established myself. I would have mm-hmm. stood on my own two feet um, without being with, you know, a husband or a boyfriend or whatever. Um, I would have lived on my own, established myself, become independent, figured out who I was before I ever thought about a husband kids. The, that whole thing. So I got two more questions. I'm going to ask them separately. If you wish to give advice to any upcoming nurse, nurse practitioner, anybody going to the health field, if you give them any advice, what advice would you give them? Um, I think now that, you know, after COVID, all of the um, focus right now is what nurses are being paid. Um, everybody thinks nurses make a lot of money, but, um, I can assure you if you're going into it for money, you're not going to like it because what you're exposed to, what you see, what you manage, if you're not going into it with the heart of, of, um, a helper of a giver, um, a heart of empathy, of, of wanting to help somebody, then you need to choose a different profession. Um, Because there's a lot of things in nursing that you really don't realize 
until you get out and you're working and, and it slaps you right in the face. So the second question is kind of the opposite. You know, you've raised four, you're in the process of raising five and six. What advice would you give a mother that, well, an expecting mother? Any advice that you would give an expecting mother that's kind of in that early process of raising their child? Um, trust your motherly instinct. Um, every child is different, so, and there's no, um, there's no manual. Uh, there's not a user's manual of how to raise a child. Everybody's got their own opinion. Um, the ones that don't have kids usually have the most opinions. Um, but just remember that you were chosen to be that child's mother and your instinct will guide you. Um, trust in God's plan. Um, don't try to be their best friend. Remember your mom and your job is to teach them. Like you said, there's no user manual. And uh, unfortunately, some of my older brothers have kind of ruined <laughs> some things and opportunities. I guess you kind of learn the uh, learn the way of motherhood as you go. That's right. It's a lot of trial and error. Um, and since my oldest is 29 and you're 18, I had a lot of years and a lot of mistakes that I learned from. So um, you get to... <clears throat> Um, you get the benefit of, of my polished parenting. Mm. Um, you could probably thank your brother Logan for the most of that because the more I find out about his teenage years, um, it's a good thing I didn't know it then. So, um, you can, I would say he's probably the one that has rewrote a lot of the rules for you two younger ones. Well, I kind of did this as a um, late Mother's Day episode. Um, Friday, I'll have on Dave Hill. Uh, that should be a pretty good episode. Uh, that'll be up sometime Friday night. Next week, I have my cousin Stevie Fields on. That should be a really good episode. He's from Chicago. A lot of stories there. Mom, I love you. Thank you for doing this i know there's a lot of skeptical things about questions i might ask you so thank you for doing it and i appreciate it you're welcome love you very proud of your successes